Strolling along the beach with the beauty by my side, with a hint of voodoo along for the ride, I walked with a zombie. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. That opening is so strange. I didn't even think about it after the movie was over. That opening is so strange because (laughs) it's not in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I know. I was like, that never happens. No, we never see a beach after the beginning, that opening thing, talking about walking. No, you see a beach at the end. Do we? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. It does end at a beach. You're right, you're right. (laughs) But... Yeah, we never see us walk with a zombie, really. Well, you do. We do through the the uh, sugarcane maze. Oh, that's true. That's true. But it's not a, a lovely stroll on the beach. No, definitely not as exciting. Well, it's more exciting than uh, more the beach, exciting. But- <laughs> not as lovely. <laughs> Welcome back, though, to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airwaves, where two friends try to stay alive and stay connected by chatting about weekly monster movies. This week, we are discussing I Walked with a Zombie. Uh, with me today is uh, Bug Eyed himself, Alex. <laughs> And joining me is that weird brother who walks into the ocean and drowns himself, Eric. <laughs> oh, man. Are you calling me someone on the brink of alcoholism, Alex? If, if this is what alcoholism leads you to do, yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, Alex, before we begin, I wanted to tell you, oh. since we're in our zombie series, okay. I did start The Last of Us, oh. the video game. Yeah, a friend of mine let me borrow it, so I have started it, and we will be talking about that more on MVM Plus, for sure. Uh, but not this week's MVM Plus. No, not this week's <laughs> MVM Plus. We talked about John Freeman, but yes, I can't wait to hear more about this. Again, You know, this is one of my favorite games of all time. So I can't wait to hear your journey through it. And I'm going to try to take that journey with you. I'll probably do it a little faster than you because I can't stop myself. But it'll take me yeah. a while to get started um, for sure. So I can't, I can't wait to hear about what you think about it, what you don't like about it, all of that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah, it'll be good. And then eventually you'll I'm watch gonna... the show. We can talk about that. There you go. Exactly. It'd be good MVM plus content for sure. And I know maybe not zombies, but it feels pretty zombie-ish the first hour and a half of this game that I've played so far. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. I think that a lot of well. people would consider them zombies, and, and some, yeah. but different zombies, which is nice. It's not quite yeah. the same. Well, there are all sorts of different zombies, like in this week's film. <laughs> yes, there are. <laughs> Our own walk down zombie lane continues this week with... I Walked with a Zombie, directed by Jacques Tournaire and released in 1943. Tournaire is actually known for his early foray into horror cinema and is quoted as saying that cinema should be an escape from real life. And I think we see this conflict within this film itself. 
But does this film give us enough escape or does it forget to don its cape? What do you think, Alex? Uh, I, you know, these aren't vampires, so I don't see them wearing too many capes, but <laughs> I, uh, I, I do see this one giving me enough of an escape, though, for sure. Now, whether that's enough for someone expecting for an all-out zombie movie might be another question. You know, it, it, you're, you're, if, you're, if you're looking for an interesting movie with some interesting ideas, I think this is the place to be, though. The film does something we rarely see in movies of this era. I'm not slandering all of them, but with our our journey through Universal Monsters, I think it's fair to say that, and I commented on this last week, but every character here feels executed on. Uh, They all feel fleshed out enough to be interesting, and I am interested to see what they do have to contribute to the rest of the film. And what's really probably even more important in the case of this film is how their character dynamics are working as they play off of each other and they all have their own personal relationships and uh, trials and tribulations with each other that are pretty complex at times. So I think this helps carry the film. What do you think? Yeah, Yeah, no, I I think you're right. I, I do think that this film is an escape, but not in a typical genre film way. It is a zombie film, but barely, really. <laughs> uh, this film, in reality, is a melodrama. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. It still has a lot to say, a lot of really great imagery, and several convincing performances. Uh, when thinking about zombie films in general, though, I, I just think we have to remember that we are getting pre-Romero zombie films as our executive producer John Freeman has reminded us Mm. these are not the zombies that we think about when we think about our modern day concept of a zombie with that said that doesn't mean that this film isn't frightening I think it has its moments even if most of these moments don't focus on the zombie herself I should say yeah absolutely and and the horror moments in this film really stick out. They, they, For me, they really drew me more into the film and made me care more about what was really going on in this. Because the ov- overall plot is kind of run-of-the-mill. You know, the nurse coming to take care of the sick loved one. She falls in love with the, the, hus- the, the husband of the one that's sick. And there's that, like, oh, if I cure them, what will, what will become of us, Jack? Um, (laughs) but 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 there's a lot of extra elements and characterization here that kind of makes a lot of it more interesting you know you add the spice of voodoo and some well-executed horror and i do you have do think you have something that makes this film unique uh but the moments that really stand out for me uh, in terms of the horror you know i do go back to that initial confrontation i guess we can call it um where it's much less so in reality, but it's Jessica. She's walking the tower. She walks towards Betsy, who has no idea what's going on. It's creepy because of the lighting. Um, there are times where, in, with the lighting, she almost looks disfigured while she's walking towards her. And you, I, for me, and maybe it was because I had a poor quality vi- copy of it, but <laughs> for me, I was like, oh, is she disfigured? Very quickly, you realize mm-hmm. that she's not, but... It's a pretty scary moment when she just pursues Betsy in a very slow-moving fashion. Um, and then there's that really cool moment 
where Betsy and Jessica are traveling through the, the, they're going to the voodoo ritual through this, I think it's a sugarcane maze. And all, all of these voodoo elements are littered in their path. You know, there's this dead animal. I think it might be a dog. There's this skull on the ground. And then there's Carrefour uh, eerily standing in the field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just so mm-hmm. imposing. And, you know, the lighting and everything in here is really exceptional, too. I got to say, I'm very impressed with the lighting in this film. It's played with a oh, yeah. lot to very, very dramatic effect. I love it. And it's really, it just has this very dramatic buildup while they're walking through here. And it's really interesting. But what's cool is that the mo- they get there, we sit through this uh, very interesting scenario with some some banger jams. And, <laughs> and what it all leads up to is this reveal that Miss Rand mm-hmm. is actually running the whole show from behind the scenes because she recognized how helpful it would be to tell people something that they need to hear, but won't listen to unless it comes from a source that they want to listen to. I think that's very, I think that's a really fascinating commentary uh, about just human nature, right? (laughs) And, And how we react to sources of information, whether it's right or not. If it comes from certain sources, we will believe it. Whereas other sources, we won't. I, I thought that was just a really interesting characterization for Miss Rand in that situation. And then there's the other scenario that it. I, well, I was watching it, Eric, and I was like, uh-huh. I feel like this shouldn't be terrifying, but it absolutely is. And it, it's on purpose in the film. I'm not saying it was on accident, but when uh, the the guy is playing the guitar. And he's slowly walking up oh. to Betsy as she's sitting there yeah. trying to wake up uh, Walter. And he's playing yeah. that song while he walks to her out of the shadows. And he walks from a yeah. good distance. And he's well lit for most of it. But it oh, is yeah. so eerie when he's walking it up is. to her. And that music is so lively. It's so it's such an interesting it's an moment. interesting juxtaposition. Yeah. For sure. It's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, do, what do you think about it? Man, but but to go back to Mrs. Rand for a second, that twist, man, <laughs> and yeah, like honestly, what was what's interesting about this movie as opposed to last week? So to go back to White Zombie, White Zombie had one of the best villains that we've mm-hmm. seen. I walked with a zombie doesn't have that clear cut villain. Yeah. You could make an argument that Mrs. Rand is your villain of this movie. You can make that argument uh, because she is in some ways. Um, I don't think all of her actions are pure, and she admits to that. Uh, You can make an argument that Wesley uh, is – is that his name, right? Uh, Uh, Yeah, Wesley. Wesley? I called him Walter earlier. Yeah, Wesley. Yeah, Wesley. (laughs) Wesley is the antagonist and in some ways he is but there there really isn't a clear-cut antagonist Mm. here which is really interesting and an interesting contrast to last week's film but i'll tell you what carries this film for me is the main character betsy um played by francis Mm -hmm. d who becomes a character who exemplifies self-sacrificial, life-giving love. Like, you mentioned it. Like, this this story has been played out before. But she legitimately tries to help 
Mrs. Holland, Jessica Mm -hmm. come back to life. Even if it means that the person that she has fallen in love with won't be interested in her. As you said, we've seen this idea before, but I, I don't think I fully bought into those other films as much as I did here because of Dee's performance. I, I do buy into yes. it here, and it feels like she's genuine and authentic in just trying to help um, Paul Holland. Um, yeah, Mrs. Rand, <laughs> though, to go back to her for a second. What a fascinating character. I mean, she she is caught blaming herself for Jessica's condition um, and she kind of is <laughs> at fault. Um, and yeah, that twist with her being the one to uh, literally and figuratively pull the strings yes. at the Voodoo Gallery, <laughs> I was not expecting that for one second. No. Now, the one character I think gets kind of lost in the mix is Paul Holland's half-brother, Wesley, yeah. who we did mention, who is on the brink of alcoholism and I guess apparently almost ran off with Jessica at one point. His story, a little bit to me, feels like dressing for other characters to tell their story. And it leaves the potential emotional impact of that ending, which again comes back to the self-sacrificial idea. It leaves that impact of the ending feeling a bit empty for me. Did you did you like his his character or, or the ending in any way? Yeah, uh, I have to agree with you about the ending. It, it does leave a lot a lot to be desired. Um, not just the ending itself, but like you said, for the characterization of Wesley. Well, I do praise the, the film for its execution on Wesley overall. Uh, there is there's something missing here. But it really did feel in this in these closing moments that this was just a way to clear Jessica off the board so that we can give everyone else the ending that they kind of wanted. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, right, I know, Paul and Betsy end up ha- end up together. This is never what Betsy would have ever have wanted, but in her deepest, darkest desires, she probably would have. Um, <laughs> but uh, but. What's interesting here is that I actually really do like the Wesley character. I like the way yeah. he, the, the way he is used as a tool in the film. You know, he is consistently planting doubts in the minds of the viewer about how bad Paul is. Every time yeah, Paul seems right. decent, Wesley is there to make you doubt whether he is actually as decent as he claims to be. And I, yeah. so I like yeah. this character, but the weird thing is, is his final bit is a bit baffling. You know, we, we, we should have had him in the film a little bit more, maybe a flesh out yeah. this maybe passionate love that he may have had for Jessica more. Yeah. Uh, so we could really mm-hmm. understand why he does what he does at the end. Now the implication there might be that voodoo is what made him do it, but I don't think that mm-hmm. that's quite the case. Because Paul's Paul, I mean Paul, for a while there is trying to convince them to just let cut her loose, right? Let her go. Uh, I mean, I think yeah, I think it comes down to what he's actually. It is the self sacrificial act, but it's it's he's actually sacrificing for um, he's he's actually sacrificing for 
uh, Betsy's character. Yeah, right? that's the weird thing. And it, I, but that doesn't make as it much doesn't sense. make as much sense, and it just it just doesn't work. Now, as for Paul, I also like this character, and I will say, mm-hmm. like they, they kind of build up the the foreboding nature of him that he, maybe he is a sociopath, and maybe he still is. Mm-hmm. Um, he did say that he was totally down <laughs> for Jessica to stay the way she was. <laughs> um, but he does seem to be moderately decent. And, it, and honestly, he just seems like someone who is just very honest with himself. He understands what yeah. he wants, even if he realizes that what he's saying is not particularly uh, couth, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, but what's weird is with his relationship, with the hyping of Wesley, um, saying how bad that he is, I expected a heel turn for Paul, you know, that moment that he reveals his true self and he is that bad. But at the end of the day, when I finished the film, I was like, you know what? Like, yeah, Paul is saying some things that aren't great. Like he's totally okay with Jessica dying. Um, and he's okay with her being the way she is and wants to run off with Betsy. But overall, he seems like an okay guy. He just is blunt, like incredibly blunt. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I was a little disappointed. It almost felt like that buildup from Wesley just wasn't, it didn't pay off because he was like, he was yeah. this charming character, but I guess in a way it showed that Wesley was a liar the whole time. He couldn't mm-hmm. be trusted. Right. And I, I guess maybe that was what the film was trying to say. And so I don't want to put too much criticism on <laughs> the heel term that was never was for Paul. Because right. it might say more about Wesley than it does Paul. Um, and what's even more interesting, though, is that Betsy never seems to take anything he says to heart. You know, yeah. when they're talking, she just kind of brushes it off. Almost like she is just this really great judge of character. Because mm-hmm. she seems to read everyone pretty quickly. Not know everything about them, but like understand that good person, bad person. Like as soon as Paul says like just a terrible thing to her, she's like, "Mm, I kind of like that guy (laughs) Mm -hmm. because she sees something else inside him. And I think she saw that with, um, with Wesley because he's, he's a younger guy. He's a more attractive guy than Paul, but she is not attracted to him at all. And so I think she like gets this read on him really quickly. And also, I just really love her optimism. She's trying to solve this problem, like we said, that ultimately, if she solves it, kind of it really hurts her in some way because yeah. she won't get yeah. Paul anymore. I think that's I think yeah. I, I really do like that. And it, it, and she's not like this. Uh, you know, we've talked about this once before, well, a couple times now, but she's she's not this perfect Mary Sue character. She she has this depth, but she has a Hippocratic oath, right? She's a nurse. She has to do everything she can to save her patient. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. No. And then Miss Rand all, is all just wonderful. Points. I just gotta say. <laughs> yeah, Miss Rand is wonderful. You know, one of the things you uh, were talking about, Alex, and, and one of the things that I had kind of an issue with is, yeah, I, Wesley's alcoholism it just to me isn't fully yep. fleshed out. Um, and I think it could have been an interesting arc for his character. I think of um, one of my favorite movies. I, I think you've seen it. Children of Men, Eric. Alex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
uh, I, I think you've seen Children of Men that that has just a a fantastic arc about alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Actually, like the main character Theo uh, has an alcohol problem, but at the end of the film, the way that he uses alcohol for creation mm. in a sense uh, yeah is just awesome like if yeah children of men if you haven't seen that go, go watch, watch that go movie watch too after you've after you've watched i walk with a zombie <laughs> but thematically there, there's a tension here that i think we saw in several fr- films from this era and that that intention is between science and mysticism but what I appreciate about this film is that it doesn't lean too hard into either side in a moralistic mm-hmm. sort of way. Instead, it uses this tension to showcase the different aspects of the characters and to bring out that melodrama that I mentioned earlier. Um, to wrap up my thoughts, I guess, about this film before we get into our awards, I, I think a lot of people may want to judge this film on whether or not it is necessarily scary because it is about it is a zombie film, mm-hmm. right? So you're judging it by what you might think of from a zombie film. But I think this film demonstrates that a zombie film doesn't have to be a straight horror film. And we've got films coming up in this series that will demonstrate this evolution, I believe. And this is just a precursor to our subversion of those expectations. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see the journey, but I honestly... This, this journey to see the evolution has been really interesting because, you know, these zombie movies are based on folklore about zombies. Yeah. And oh, yeah. like you said, we're not to the Romero era, but after the Romero era, these type of zombies aren't really seen anymore. Um, from my yeah. knowledge of film, I'm sure there's a few exceptions there. but So it's been nice to be kind of stewing in this for a little while to these origins of what's to come. Yeah, exactly. And and speaking of what's to come, Alex on MVM plus today, we talked to executive producer, John Freeman, who really helped us compile our list of zombie (laughs) films for this series. Um, We, we get into a bunch of, of uh, films, but really we talk about how he compiled this list, how we divided the eras kind of our plans for the series, if we're going to watch all the films or not. Um, and so you can get a good preview of the series to come over at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod. Another thing that we're going to do is we're just, I'm just going to post that document that John created for us. Cause it's pretty it awesome. awesome. It's got pictures. I like pictures. <laughs> it's, got links. it's got links. Yeah. I like links, uh, hyperlinks, <laughs> uh, at that. Yeah. Like, they're wow. not calm links. Uh, no, they're hyper links. <laughs> and, I'll tell you what, Alex, all that combined with our uh, February special, yeah. and you've got yourself a little you deal do have yourself over a deal. there at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod. not only that, Eric, that conversation that nobody but patrons mm-hmm. will get to hear, that conversation yeah. has a discussion about whether or not Ultraman is a zombie or not from the this Shin Ultraman this movie. And I do think I come up with a perfect answer about this, by the way. <laughs> Uh, you, you may, you may. <laughs> All right, Alex, let's get into our staple awards. Who'd you have for compelling character? Um, yeah. I, I had to give it to Miss Rand. That twist was too good to not give it to Miss Rand. There are some oh, great yeah. characters here, and I don't even, I'm not even convinced that Miss Rand is the best, but 
that twist on her and that the fact that like I already said, she's using a path of information to convey what might be best for people. I think what was it? Washing their hands um, Mm -hmm. is pretty interesting. And and I just think it says something about human nature uh, just in general, because we we all know how this goes. We both have kids. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We know how who delivers the message can have a great effect on their reaction and the belief of what's being mm-hmm. said. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, my compelling character is Betsy. As I said, I really thought she was a cool character, um, strong character, willing to go to extremes and, and push herself out of her comfort zone in order to give herself to others. Mm which I thought was really cool. It is cool. Um, yeah. I mean, that's just something that we can all strive to do. Um, but she does it. And, and, and I don't know, we, we don't get enough of that sort of purity and that pure sort of motivation in films. And I think sh- she shows us that in this. Yeah. One. Yeah. She does everything she can to solve the issue, but unfortunately it's just never enough. Uh, yeah. But she never stops trying, which is what makes her so special, I think. Um, and I did want to say one thing about Miss Rand that I just completely skipped over. Because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm so focused on the twist, but she genuinely had a voodoo experience mm-hmm. as well. And so while she did kind of brush it all off with her conversation with Betsy, she also believes it to a pretty good degree. Because you see how kind of disturbed she is. When the police come, there's, there's that, there's that interesting conversation between those two, where she's like, "I don't mean believe in in like a religious sense, yes. like, but in a I believe in as in like there's something going on here that I don't understand, right? But there's something real, yeah. And I think I think I think the implication to me was something kind of interesting, kind of like a almost I don't know how you interpreted it, but like a kind of like an Eastern versus Western medicine thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like how the mm-hmm. West just doesn't understand Eastern medicine, but there's clearly some sort of at least correlation with how some of it works and its benefits. And so there's something going on. Yes. Yeah, so, so there's something going <laughs> on there, even if we haven't formally adopted or even looked into a lot of those things, if there's something going on, we just don't understand it. Yes. Yeah. That was good stuff. Uh, what about your most memorable line award? Uh, my most memorable line award was probably uh, this moment from uh, Wesley. He He's sitting there with Betsy. They're at dinner. Um, he, he's about to get, to get drunk. And he, said, <laughs> and he says something to her to the effect that John uses words the way men use their fists. And I thought that was a really uh, a great line that makes Paul pretty. Uh, let's say John earlier. I meant Paul. The the way that <laughs> makes Paul an intimidating figure in the movie for a little while, um, because you wonder how he's manipulating everybody, and maybe he is, and we just don't see it in this movie. But um, <laughs> but I don't think he is. I think it's more of a, uh, you know. Uh, I, I, I think mean, it it's could just be the entire backstory, but I think it's Wesley's interpretation yeah, of Paul, it is. It's his know? interpretation. He's got a bit of an inferiority complex. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's not in charge. 
of this place. He's being told what to do. He is, he is intimidated by him. We see that when Paul walks up and he's talking to Betsy for the first time and he's going to skip work. And then he sees, he sees Paul and he's like, yeah. oh, I got to go. Um, so the, there, there's a, a lot of jealousy behind what Wesley that really leads to what I think ends up turning out to be mostly lies or like you said, maybe a bad interpretation of what's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, my most memorable line was from Paul and it is after Betsy says she's sorry for calling his wife a mental case. Mm. And Paul responds, why should you be? My wife is a mental case. <laughs> <laughs> this is delivery. There was hilarious to me. I like. I just laughed out loud because it was. It funny. was. It was, uh, it was but that was one of those examples of just like he's just straightforward in how he says things sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and and we all know people that are kind of like that. And depending on your personality, you can find that either really painful to be around. And yeah. aggravating, or you can just be like, oh no, no, that's just Paul. That's who that's they just are. Who he is. That's who they are. Yeah, it's just Paul. <laughs> he doesn't. He he loves it. He he actually loves you when he says that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, what about your can't believe that acting award? Uh, I got to give it to who you gave your compelling character award to. I got to give it to the actress that played Betsy that I'm looking up right now. Francis Francis D. D does a wonderful job as as um, Betsy because yeah. She just sells you on everything she does. You believe her motivations are genuine. You you yeah. and you believe that she cares about everybody, even this walking person that never talks the entire movie. Like it's mm-hmm. very clear that she cares and she's just I I like how active of a participant she is in this movie. And mm-hmm. uh just I guess that's it. I guess it's just the acting. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Alex, I'm going to give mine to the character that walks around and says nothing the whole time, really? which is Christine Gordon as Jessica. Yes, okay. uh, which is a strange choice. I know because she doesn't say anything, <laughs> but yes. she does this fantastic job of selling the completely blank persona. Really, the scene where it stands out to me is that that. Uh, voodoo ritual scene where she is kind of standing behind Betsy and her head is tilted a little bit and uh, several things are happening and she just has zero expression on her face and it does feel completely mindless completely mindless Uh, so yeah I've got to give it to Christine Gordon uh, who plays Jessica Holland okay I didn't expect that it caught me by surprise now, Eric, what about your, your oh, that's a good shot award? I did take a peek at your notes, and I think we've got yeah. either a sequence or we picked the same shot. Yeah. I can't tell. <laughs> I think we have the same shot. Um, and it's Carrefour standing in that corn, tall grass maze <laughs> thing. And it's the first shot in particular because we're not even sure who Carrefour is, mm. right? We haven't seen him yet. And so – you get this shot of this intimidating figure standing tall in the like tall grass, just this literally a, basically a dark outline. And this is before we get the close up of his mm. face with his bulging eyes, and you just see this. It's, it just becomes ominous as soon as you see that. It feels the the film takes a completely different turn, but the cinematography there 
um, the way that the lighting works and its effect changes the tone of the film, but transitions it into that more horror-like feel, and it works. So that's my, oh, that's a good shot of work. And and Eric, was this the low-angle shot of him standing there? Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's what I had. I had it after the close-up, but uh, Uh yeah, dude, it's so imposing. He is a very large man. He is so tall, (laughs) or at least compared to them he is. And it's just an imposing figure. Uh, to not be able to see until he's just standing there. And then the emotionlessness when he is standing there is like, Oh yeah. Absolutely terrifying. It's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> he is great. But, but um, since you get, since I'm copying your award, I'll yeah. pick a, the castle scene where she, where, where Betsy comes across Jessica for the first time. Yeah. The lighting in that yeah. castle is so good. And there's this other thing I haven't even talked about Eric. The sound, yeah. like the sound design in this film, yes, it, it, it's yes. a little muddy during one of the musical numbers uh, when they're playing the drums. Uh-huh. But that's just yeah. a, honestly, yeah. that's just a uh, a limitation of the technology at the time. I to agree. Capture that. Yeah, it's just te- it's a technical limitation. Yeah. But yeah. the sound design of just all the creatures and air, all the wind and everything—it's so good mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I told you before, like in the film introduction, this director is known for um, building these these tones of fear, and and he can he can do that, and definitely see that demonstrated here. Um, So it kind of makes me interested in some of his other other films. I might I might have to check one or two out. Um, Mm -hmm. How about your unique award, though, Alex? Yeah, I had to give it to Betsy. Uh, This is the choking hazard award. She gives that little baby a pin. What are you doing, <laughs> Betsy? You're a nurse. You should know not to give these choking hazards to small children. This was her glaring moment. I thought I, I, I thought this was when she turns evil. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> what about uh, you, Eric? man? Mine was the uh, creepiest musical number award. Yeah. And it was the guitar guy. Um, and, it, and the fact that it was just such an upbeat song, but he's singing things like, Shame and sorrow for the family. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, like this guy. At first, he's he's sort of apologetic about it. Yeah. But then he's that second time, whenever uh, Wesley has drunk himself to, you know, being knocked out basically, and he starts approaching Betsy. You're like, oh man! Now, now he's just trying to reveal something to her, and it's pretty it's creepy. So unsettling. <laughs> yeah, it is unsettling. I love it. All right, man. Final thoughts and tiered rating. What you got for? I walked with the zombie. Oh, this would be a Godzilla tier if it wasn't for the ending. Mm. With that in mind, this is a high gamma tier. I really enjoyed this movie. The performances are excellent. The characters are excellent. The horror is done really well when it's here. And I just, there's not really a lot for me to dislike. It really just comes down to the ending and the ending's effect on the rest of the film when you look back on it. You know, what, what Wesley becomes, yeah. all, he's a fascinating character when you're watching the film. But when you see the ending, it almost makes him pointless in some ways when you reflect on his usefulness in the in the plot and the overall story it just makes you ask questions about 
about what what's really going on. Um, but other than that, I mean, this is a really nice surprise once again, just like White Zombie. Uh, not quite as good as White Zombie for me, but it's just a little below it. Uh, definitely a recommend for me. What about you? Yeah, this might be just below White Zombie for me, uh, but still is an upper gamma tier uh, zombie film. Um, I think we've we've had two out of two pretty good films so far yes. in this series, Alex. And both are very different from one another, like we talked about. Um, so it, it makes me excited excited for the series and just the expansion of the genre and and how diverse these films can, can turn out to be. Um, so I, it actually has me excited for the series as a whole. As for this film in particular, it is a melodrama, but that drama is done really well um, with a zombie as the backdrop and as the backbone. You've got twist. You've got great character interactions. You've got great character motivations. And you've got camera and sound that work um, and that do the job in this film. And that balance the tones really well. So, yeah, this is upper camera tier film for me. I would definitely recommend this one. Oh, man. Love to hear it. I can't Um, wait for next week's film, Eric. Next week's film, Alex. Uh, maybe we'll go three out of three with Plan 9 from Outer Space. Will it inspire us to run a race, or will we want to spray our face with mace? Oh, yeah. From what I hear, space, uh, Outer Space is going to make us want to spray our face with mace. That's definitely the case, Eric. Definitely the case. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be, it could be, it could be a rough one. <laughs> I've frequently considered one of the worst movies of all time, but I think that, I think that that's probably a ridiculous statement. If I'm being honest, being someone that's never actually seen the film, only seen clips, I think that that's a preposterous statement. It might be a hidden masterpiece. Okay. I, we shall, I didn't, we shall find I didn't out. quite say that. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I heard you saying, Alex. That's what I heard you saying. <laughs> We'll find out next week. As always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. Leave us feedback on the show at nvmpod.com or you can email us at nvmpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at nvm underscore pod. Become a bargain base mite and receive today's conversation about this series at patreon.com forward slash nvmpod. There's bonus content there, special reviews, interviews, host chats. And if you can't join, a review or a share does help. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Kevin Alexander, Faye Basier, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms Cell Block B, Louis Loops, and your Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't stab that lady in the back and walk her into the ocean. And try to stay alive. alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you.
That doll never made it to that guy. Did you notice? He had to go to it and stab it in the back. <laughs> he yeah. was like, screw this voodoo. It was, it was weird. <laughs> it was a little strange. <laughs>